scripture for a Bible study we've been doing for a number of weeks on insanity or sound mind. And we want to continue that this morning, uh, if we can. And I want somebody to volunteer to get 2 Timothy 1.7 uh, in this section for me. If somebody would do that, Todd, 2 Timothy 1.7. I want 1 Corinthians 2.16. Somebody would like to get that for me as Dennis uh, Keppel. And so we want to continue on our uh, Bible study this morning. We're going to have about three more sessions with this particular series. And so uh, we've been doing this uh, to gain us a little uh, uh, backtracking. We've been doing this because uh, your mental habits, your mental disciplines are going to grow more serious as you grow older. The longer that you stay involved in this uh, life, uh, the more your, uh, your mind is going to be aimed and going to be set in a certain direction. Uh, if you remember me preaching a number of years ago, I preached a sermon uh, called uh, 40-something. And uh, in that, we uh, used the information that by the time you're 40, the direction of your life is set, and very few people will ever reverse course in character, in attitudes, in habit, and in mental, uh, uh, mental uh, structure after the age of 40. Now, we know that that's not impossible, uh, but uh, very few people do that because the uh, habits of the life and the, uh, the direction you're going to go are going to come set uh, by the time you're 40. And it's very important that you uh, pay attention to what you're doing. I uh, am just uh, reading a book, one of the best books I've ever read on the mind. Uh, it actually is a book on pornography. Uh, it's called An Affair of the Mind, and I've never seen uh, anyone detail the, the, the dynamics and the mechanics of the mind uh, like that book does. If you, uh, if you are a reader, you're serious about the mind, or especially if you have any kind of problems with mind control, that book is very much worth your reading. It's a study of a, or the, or the book of a woman whose husband was involved in pornography for 20 years, and she details that by the time... Uh, they finally began to try to gain reverse course. She found out what was happening. Uh, they had gone to uh, one uh, counselor, and the counselor said, one half your husband's brain's dead. The other side's like a groove is cut through it, and he's been totally uh, trapped by this and uh, is in a very serious condition. So uh, this is the reason that we're doing this study in Sanitary Sound Mind to help us to understand the dynamics of the human mind Biblically, so that we can uh, con control, find control in salvation and the yieldings of the Holy Spirit, and also to help us to develop good disciplines and to help us to find some redemption and recovery uh, for people who are having trouble. So you can take two different people. You can take these two different people. You have them define the same thing. In other words, uh, they will uh, define an action that's happened, an activity that has happened, some kind of circumstance. One will give you a perspective that is often is the exact opposite of the second person. How many of you know that? Take two people. Uh, you have them define or describe some activity, some experience, or some happening, and, uh, and, and the one will be totally uh, uh, different than the other. You, you can, it's been described sometimes. You can take a person, you take a half a glass of water, and uh, you uh, say to one person, describe to me what, what this is. And that person will say, that, that glass is half empty. 
you ask the other person, what are you seeing? He'll say, that glass is half full. So it depends totally on the perspective of the individual. We're going to discover some uh, tremendous things as we get in there because the interpretation that we give uh, that has to do with the interplay of our mind depends upon the orientation of our mind. Second Timothy 1.7 is our basic scripture which we've been using. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's interpreted as a disciplined mind by many, uh, in many Bibles. Then we want to study this morning, take time to study for a moment the Christian mind, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. The Christian mind. But we have the mind... Of Christ. So we want to study this morning about the Christian mind, and so I want several scriptures. In this section right here, I'd like John 3, 3 through 5, Jim Landis, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Pete Walter, 1 Peter 1, 23, Paul Heimberg, and 1 John 5, verse 1. 1 John 5, verse 1. That's Denny, if you'd like to get that for us. So, first of all, we want to uh, define, we're talking about the Christian mind. If you're going to have a Christian mind, you first must be born again. Is this correct? This is foundational to everything that you and I believe, is that uh, to receive Jesus Christ, to be saved, means that you're born again. Until you're born again, you're not born again. You're either born or you're not born. And this is correct. That's why Jesus said in John 3, use this language. And so until you're born again, you, it is impossible for you to have a Christian mind. You may read a book on ethics. You may uh, go to the best universities. You may study all kinds of things that are right. You may uh, adhere to the golden rule. Uh, but sin has a powerful effect, and sin is spiritual. Sin is inner, and sin is dominant, and sin controls. Until you're born again, it's impossible for you to control uh, your mind. Sin will deceive you and ruin you. This is what the new creation is all about. John 3, 3 through 5. Jesus said, I, I say to you, except a man is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, that's the natural birth that is, uh, that is accompanied by water. But unless a man has the natural birth and a spiritual birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again to have a new mind. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creature. That's what it means to be born again. 1 Peter 1.23 Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, that is the natural birth that comes from sperm that produces a human being. That's not the birth that will give you new. But of the incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God, is a powerful illustration and gives us the understanding of the new creation. First John 5, verse 1. 
Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves Him, that is uh, begotten of Him, uh, read it again. I've forgotten the last half of the verse. Everyone that loves Him, loves Him also that is begotten of Him. There's a change, a total change, a total orientation. You can pick that up in all of these scriptures. And so in our natural state, we're capable this morning only of thinking wrongly about God and creation and other human beings. In our natural state, I don't care if you have a degree, I don't care if you have a master's degree in psychology, until you're born again, it is impossible for you to think correctly about God. It is impossible for you to think correctly about creation. You'll, uh, you'll believe the most uh, outlandish garbage, which is evolution, or uh, 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 Hale-Bopp Comet theology, right? Or Indian tradition, or New Age philosophy, or some kind of cult doctrine. You will believe that, but you won't believe the correct things about God, creation, and other human beings. So there's an orientation that changes in the new birth, we're talking now about a new mind, the Christian mind. So I want uh, Philippians 4, verse 8, over on my far right. Somebody would like to get that for me. Pete Baker. I want Luke 11, 34. Uh, Mike Solano. I want Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Uh, it's uh, Alan Herman and 1 Peter 1, 3. Bill Hunt, if you'd like to get that for me. So an orientation changes... When you're born again, your mind uh, has a new perspective. You interpret everything in a different light. And the Christian mind is the mind that tries to think God's thoughts in every aspect of life. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, boy, that there's an emphasis there. Apparently, everybody's not thinking pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, you have the ability, as a believer in Christ, to control your mind through the Holy Spirit. You make a decision, that decision is what you're going to think about. And remember, the Christian mind is one that tries to think God's thoughts in every aspect of life. I don't need to elaborate on that too much to get down where the rubber meets the road, do I? Whatsoever things are lovely. How many of you are sitting here this morning thinking really bad thoughts about somebody sitting across the room? I'm not asking for a show of hands. How many of you have spent things in activities that have taken your mind into pathways that they ought not to go and they've imprinted themselves indelibly on your mind? Those are pure and lovely things. I'll give an altar call right now. 
So here we have the ability. Remember that a Christian, have a Christian mind, is a person who tries to think God's thoughts in every aspect of life. Luke 11, 34. Now, here's a very interesting statement that when your eye is good, your whole body's full of light. When it's darkness, the whole body's full of darkness or evil. And so here's the inner disposition. This is what this is saying. Here's the inner disposition of the mind that filters and interprets everything in life. This is why two people will interpret uh, the same thing in totally opposite, uh, 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 totally opposite descriptions. One person will see something, they have a bias in their spirit, uh, someone will come to them, give them a good word or a gift, or say something good about them, and they'll walk away from that. I wonder what they want out of me. They must be, uh, they're, they're trying to calm me somewhere. The other person will walk away and say, thank God, I've got a friend in this life. It depends on the inner disposition of your heart, which your mind is often interpreted as being. And so... Uh, Luke 11:34 is a very descriptive word uh, that gives us an, an understanding of how the dynamics of the mind operate. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Remember now, when we're born again, our orientation changes. Uh, we, we don't have to go over all the scriptures that we no longer uh, live in this life, the lust of the flesh and uh, the desires of the mind uh, which uh, the God of this world rules because a born-again Christian he no longer rules his mind. He no longer is able to deceive. He no longer able to dominate. He no longer controls. But the born-again Christian, for the first time in his life, has the ability to correctly define, interpret, and filter what comes through his mind. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, here is a difference in orientation. The person who is not born again, uh, what do they think about? Somebody tell me, what do they think about? What, Pete? Sex and money. That dominates, doesn't it? Hatred, bitterness, revenge, right? Self. Every person who's not born again uh, somewhere in their personality, they think they're the king of kings. <laughs> and if they don't think that, they act it. Because self will interpret every event of life. If they're in a business transaction, if they're in marriage, if they're in church, they can be religious, doesn't matter what they're doing, every detail of life is interpreted, what am I going to get out of it? And if I don't get anything out of it, it's not worth wasting my time with whether it's marriage, business, church, uh, school, education, money, it doesn't matter what it is. That's how they interpret it. And so here immediately, here's a change in orientation. If you then be risen with Christ, if indeed you're born again, then set your affections on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And, uh, uh, and it's a change of orientation. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3.
Right, here's, here's why you find all these scriptures written in the Bible that makes a transcendence from this present uh, 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 secular uh, and uh, temporal uh, uh, orientation begins now to interpret life in a heavenly disposition. Here's Christ who's risen from the dead, and immediately you find that there's a transcendent reference point uh, that unbelievers do not have. When unbelievers meet death, they have no solution whatever. Isn't this correct? They may be uh, uh, smart aleck know-it-alls, but when death comes, I want to tell you, suddenly you find there is no solution, there is no answer. Uh, it absolutely devastates. They may have a tragedy happen in life. Their, uh, their best dreams, their best aspiration, ambition are suddenly smashed or reversed or dashed, and they have no solution. They jump out of windows, they blow their brains out, they do all kinds of things because they have no hope beyond this world. Are you getting the point with me this morning? Okay, let's go on uh, a little bit. So uh, here we have the integration, if we could use that term, of all of life so that one thinks and acts consistently and holistically and completely for God in every aspect of life. His business, his family, his neighborhood, his society. Thinking Christianly, one author says, isn't just an academic or intellectual pursuit. It really is the integration of, our, uh, of one's life around uh, Jesus Christ. If a person receives a blessing and they are born again, uh, then that blessing is interpreted in not a selfish exaltation or the means of a selfish gratification. It then is, is seen as something that comes from God, and they immediately begin to see blessings uh, in a different light. If a person uh, who's born again uh, comes into a crisis, comes into a crisis, comes into temptation, they interpret this in a totally different light than a person who is not saved or who is not born again. So I need two more scriptures. Over on my left, I need 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. Louis Polino, and uh, is it Adam? I'd like for you to give me 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 16. Maybe it wasn't Adam. But it, okay, it was Adam. And so uh, if you'd like to get that for me. And so uh, uh, a Christian, a man who has a Christian mind, a woman who has a Christian mind, integrates all of life around the Lord Jesus Christ. Because then not themselves are interpreted as being king of kings, but then they have the king of kings who becomes the orientation of all of life, and their whole uh, interpretation and conduct begins to be integrated around uh, uh, Jesus Christ. First Tim, uh, Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man. Man understands what man is. Go ahead. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. You're in a spiritual dimension. Go ahead. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God.
which we are looking at not from a psychological viewpoint. That's the worldly wisdom, but from a godly wisdom. Go ahead. The Holy Spirit uh, teaches comparing spiritual things uh, with uh, spiritual. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and six, uh, through 16. All right, here he gives an orientation of life. This is the Christian mind, remember. But the love of Christ constrains us or forces us into a narrow conclusion that if Christ died for all, then all were dead. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, we look not at things in an earthly viewpoint, but from a spiritual viewpoint. So let's, let's look back to Joseph, the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. Joseph is, uh, is uh, in Potiphar's household. You know the story, Potiphar's uh, wife is, a, is an immoral woman. Uh, she begins to lust after Joseph. She begins to make the moves on him. Uh, her husband's out of town. He's not going to be back. And so she uh, tries to seduce this man. And notice that Joseph does not say, no, 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 I'm not going to do this. There's too much VD around. He does not say, no, 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 I can't do this because uh, I'm afraid somebody will find out. What does he say? Somebody tell me, what does he say? What? Carol. How can I sin against God in doing this deed of fornication. Now, isn't that an interesting interpretation? Are you still with me? We're talking about the Christian mind. The Christian mind approaches temptation totally different. So the Christian mind and the non-Christian mind may think about the same things, but they'll not think about them in the same way. That's what it means to have a Christian mind. Uh, I hate uh, bumper stickers. And, uh, and Christian uh, jewelry and witness T-shirts and witness wristbands and witness garbage. Uh, WWJD uh, is the most popular now. What would Jesus do? Uh, well, uh, uh, it, it, we have to admit it has a good thought, uh, but I hate cliches. You know, you ever see one of these bumper stickers that, uh, that uh, advertise, if you love Jesus, honk? Honk, 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 honk. But it was a good one that followed that. said, if you love Jesus, don't honk. Tithe. Anybody can honk. <laughs> All right. So we have the Christian mind. The Christian mind is a mind that looks at things differently. The reason it looks at things differently is that there's a spiritual element there now is a uh, different dimension that's operating. They interpret all of life differently. Every temptation, every blessing, every crisis, everything in life is interpreted differently. And so that's what, uh, that's what a person receives at the new birth. However, just like a baby that's born into a home, they must be trained. Isn't this correct? How many of you ever had a baby? Let me see you hand. Two of you. Okay. This is not a trick question. How many of you ever had a baby? Okay. 
Babies have to be trained. It is not automatic. You don't just have a baby uh, in, the, in, in, in the family and immediately you, uh, uh, you put them up to the table, you put them at the steering wheel of the car. They have to be trained in the, in the life. But when you're born again, you have suddenly a receptive mind. I want uh, in this section now, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 19. I have Dennis. I want 2 Corinthians 8, 12. As Todd. I want Philippians 2, 1 through 3. Quickly, somebody help me. Uh, it's Peter, if you'll get those for me. So, in the new birth, uh, immediately you have a quality that you did not have before. Something's changed. You have repented. Repentance means you're going in this direction. Rebelling against God, uh, resisting what God wanted to do, do everything that filled your own uh, flesh and your mind, but you repent. That means you turn around, now you're going in this direction, your total attitude toward life and other people changes, and this is the new birth. You get one thing you get is a receptive mind. Second Corinthians eight nineteen. To show your ready mind. That's interpreted as a willing mind. Did your believers, Paul's writing to you, what happens to you is you immediately become responsive to what God wants you to do. Second Corinthians 8, verse 12. In other words, there's, there's something of goodwill that begins to uh, come to you. How many of you remember when you first got saved? Anybody still remember that? I want to give all my tools away. I gave my guns away. I gave money. Every bum that came along, I'd give money. I had to get wiser about that because I discovered they were winos and, and it wasn't wise to give them money. And so I started taking them down and get them a meal. And uh, most of them said, no, I don't want a meal, I want money. <laughs> so you know immediately what you're after. Okay, so uh, willing mind, something changes totally when that, uh, when that happens, which is the born-again experience. Second Corinthians 8.12. Okay, here's the willing mind again in Philippians 2, 1 through 3. Okay, here's a, a very excellent scripture. It says, Let nothing be done in strife or vain glory, but in a lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than himself. How many of you have ever met anybody that uh, was filled with strife and vain glory? How many of you have ever worse somebody? Okay. This is, the, uh, this is the mind that is renewed. And so uh, a mind that is born again must be trained. The person who is unsaved, the natural flesh, the natural tendencies, high-minded. You see that word in the Bible often. You see in the Scripture uh, descriptions of uh, self-will, of pride over and over again. But, uh, uh, but what happens to a person who is born again, they suddenly are receptive to what God wants them to do, but that mind has to be trained. That does not come automatically. Many people uh, are, are erroneous. They have the feeling that the moment you're saved, it uh, takes no effort of any kind. Uh, nothing will change. You immediately get a halo on your head. 
wings begin to spring, for, uh, spring out of your back and grow, and you are, are a candidate for heaven instantly because you have no faults. Uh, there's nothing ever wrong with you, and nothing would ever tempt you. Again, this is erroneous. The Christian mind must be trained. And so that's why the Bible uh, is given to us. I went over my far left at Philippians 2, 5 through 8, uh, which is Chris Olson, Romans 15, 3. Somebody help me quickly. It's Lamb, Bill Lamb, uh, Scott Lamb, 1 Peter 2.21. It's Jacob. And uh, Owen, will you get for me Philippians 3, 15 and 16. And then I want 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3. Somebody get that for me. Uh, 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 Mike uh, Maldonado. So... Uh, Bible is a necessity to mold and change the minds of those who are Christian. You see, when you have a genuine Christian uh, and you bring to them the Word of God, they immediately uh, are responsive because uh, suddenly a new element has been brought into their life. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit begins to shape and form them and change the minds of those who are Christians. Is this correct? People who will not obey the Word of God are not Christians. Just that simple. This is why we don't build churches out of religious people. Because religious people have ideas. Isn't this correct? They have ideas that very frequently have nothing to do with the Bible, uh, but are prejudices that have been put into them by religious orientation. And so when we uh, pioneer churches, we uh, aim. We don't run religious people off if they... Uh, if they uh, if, they can, if they can tolerate what we're preaching, why, that's fine. But, uh, but we, we, we attempt to follow the Bible, teach the Bible, and it's, it's interesting uh, to anyone who's built a church or been operative with new converts, all you have to do to new convert is say to them, a person newly say, this is what the Bible says. Is that what the Bible says? Where does it say that? It says that right there. Okay. No hassle, no fight, no rebellion. It's all over. Isn't that correct? Because they've surrendered. See, before they're saved, they're at enmity. They're at war with God. Isn't this correct? They know what to do, but they won't do it. They instinctively know what's right, but they're not going to do it. Uh, and so this changes their orientation. And this is what the Bible is all about, to give an authoritative declaration of the will of God. And a new convert, a genuine Christian, who has been born again, their minds now are open to what it is that God wants to say. So Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He is our example. Our Lord Jesus Christ set us the example for 33 years, lived on planet Earth, and showed us an example. He's our reference point. Go ahead. He was God in the flesh. He did not think it robbery to be thought equal with God. He did not use that for the... Uh, uh, he did not take advantage of that. But he set an example as a human being. Go ahead. Taking a form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men... Being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. My, my, my. 
What a tremendous word. He humbled himself. How many of you love to humble yourself? No, you don't. The thing that the lower nature cries out for is self-satisfaction. I want mine. I want it now. I have rights. My rights. Many people who attend churches, this is the cry of that. I have a right. I have this right. I have this right. It isn't what does God want. It's what I want. Go ahead. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Okay, so here uh, Paul writes this to the Philippian church, and he writes this as this is what you need to be doing. You need to take the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, humbleness of mind, submit yourself to the death of your own will, your selfish desire and desire for self-exaltation, self-gratification. Romans 15, verse 3. Even Christ did not satisfy Himself, but He submitted Himself, uh, and, uh, and this was the lifestyle. 1 Peter 2, 21. All right, here, uh, here uh, Peter writes, this, is a, this can be a treatise to most of the Christian world today uh, that says uh, if you're suffering, there absolutely must be something wrong with you. If you're living a Christian life, it means riches, Cadillacs, it means eternal bliss and, and happiness, no problems, no reverses in life. That's not found in the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. And this is why Peter's writing that, because the believers are going through persecution. They're suffering. Say, hey, what's the deal? We're, we're God's children. How come we're having to suffer? And he says, you need to remember that Jesus suffered. And he goes on another place, says, he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. If you're going to quit sinning, you're going to pay a price. You're going to have to, uh, you're going to, have to suffer in your flesh nature, your lower nature. Philippians uh, 3, 15 and 16. All right, here he writes again to the submission of our will to the will of God. This is what the Word of God constantly appeals to. All right, here again we have a ready mind and willingly. And so uh, the, the, the born-again mind must be trained. All right, we want to deal with some practical applications here. And so uh, uh, to train that mind means that you're going to have to discipline yourself to get into the Word of God. We've been reading the Word of God. Some of you, this is the only Word of God you've heard all week. You haven't come to contact with. You've watched uh, uh, tons of Leave It to Beaver or some other kind of garbage. Oprah. Okra. Whatever else is out there, you've watched that. This morning's the first time that you've been bombarded with the Word of God. To train your mind... You will have to discipline your mind to be exposed. And so having the mind of Christ is applying biblical thinking to all those things that you're bombarded with. You cannot have the mind of Christ and spend your time reading novels. Ladies' Home Journal. Sweet romances. Whatever they call them. I don't know what they call them. Love that you've always wished for. Tear in the night. 
stories that will curdle your blood. Now, you can't have a mind of Christ and, and feed on that garbage. That making you nervous? If you're going to have the mind of Christ, you're going to have to have a steady diet and an intake of the Bible. Because having the mind of Christ is biblical thinking. You can't uh, do biblical thinking if you don't read the Bible. How are you going to have biblical thinking and watch Oprah? Or Springer? Or whatever else garbage is out there? You're not going to do it. You're not going to do that uh, with uh, spending all your time in recreation. Hey, Pastor, what's wrong with the bulls? Nothing. How about the sun? Cardinal? If you spend all your time in recreation, you know, there's people sitting right here. You can tell me uh, the top team in the NBA the last 15 years. You can't quote five scriptures. Well, don't tell me that you have the mind of Christ. You can't have the mind of Christ and give your mind to useless and nonproductive uh, activities. There's, a, there's an illustration that was given very good in one of the books I was reading. It says a man is driving, he pulls up alongside the bus, and on the side of the bus is a very racy poster advertising condoms. He's a believer. He's a Christian. And so he has a choice to make. He can either let his imagination run wild or do what he did. He immediately looked back to the road, and as he looked back to the road, he said he began to revel in God's good gifts of pleasure within marriage, to prize the dignity and, and uh, loveliness of every individual God has made. This was a choice that the man made, which you will have to make every day of your lives. He made a choice, and that choice was made to think upon that which is productive, that which is gracious, that which is good, that which is pure, or to give his mind to the pollutions of the world. First Peter 1, 13 through 16. Somebody get me for that. Uh, get that for me right in this section. Quickly, uh, somebody. Uh, Dennis, if you get that for me, First Peter uh, 1, 13 through 16. And we want to uh, get a scripture just for a moment. We'll open it for a couple of questions uh, after this. First Peter 1, 13 through 16. It's in the New Testament. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Now, in Bible days, they wore garments. And uh, men wore loose uh, garments. They were uh, like robes. And when they were uh, involved in, uh, in uh, work, or they were involved in some uh, 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 conflict, or some kind of activity, they wore a, a girdle, or a girt, which is a sash, and they would uh, uh, put it around, around their loins, pull up, the loose, uh, the loose parts of it, so they would not trip over that and be hindered. So now he draws a beautiful picture and says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Uh, he writes to human nature, because how many of us know that our minds are, are transient? Can you say amen? Things blow through, right? Uh, uh, 
somebody offends us. And so we, all of a sudden the wind of hate blows through. We, we can only think of one thing. That's revenge. Or telling them off at the very least. Or exposing them for what they really are. Isn't that correct? And so our minds. And somebody perhaps is sitting in church right now. I've just read your number. And you're sitting here. And somebody last week offended you that is sitting across the room for you. And you can't even listen to what I'm saying because all you can think about is what's been done to you. And so a wind is blowing through and it's blowing the loins of your mind off in another direction from what God wants it to do. He draws that picture. Be sober. Go ahead, Dennis. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust. Now that could fit into a lot of, because lust is simply uh, uh, unlawful desire. Whether it's murder, sexual relationship, stealing money, getting money by false pretense, or whatever. Okay, and so you uh, let's let's draw this out because this is where a miracle lives. And so uh, you're you're sitting minding your own business, and uh, into the room walks a beautiful, shapely, half-dressed woman. Has a boob sheared off. You're a red-blooded American male. Suddenly the winds are blowing, right? Well, changing the subject very uh, quickly. He says, as obedient children, you don't do that anymore. Because you're born again, you have the ability now for the first time in your life to control the thought processes. And as obedient children, now you change the dynamics of your mind. Go ahead. You were stupid when you did that when you were unsaved. Go ahead. But as he who has called you is holy. Holiness means separated from sin to God. means the orientation of your life has changed now from your own lawful pursuits, your lust, your greed, your avarice, your hatred, all the things that are involved. Now you've been separated to God. That's what holiness is. And go ahead. He has called you as holy. You be holy. In all your conduct. Not just when you come to church on Sunday morning. On the 15th of November, 1998. Last week, remember? See, there's been, uh, there's been uh, six days since last Sunday when we were in here. All week long. Go ahead. Because it is written, Be holy, you be separated from sin, because I'm separated from sin. That completes it? All right. So, uh, if we have the ability to shift our mind, looking at the world as an endless source of spiritual lessons, uh, an infinite number of opportunities to think about God in every situation of life. All right. The Christian mind expands. We want to deal with this before we uh, conclude. We have, by the benefit of a new birth, and because of our relationship with God, we have access to the divine mind. This is what it means to have a Christian mind. We now no longer are limited to our own abilities, but by revelation we have access to God's mind and God's will that would be revealed to us that we may obey it. 
So uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is promoting spirituality in us. This is not just a, a reaction. Don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, but it has the ability to grow and to expand in a positive way and makes a transition from the earthly to the heavenly, from time to eternity, from the secular uh, to uh, the spiritual. And the whole perspective of life is changed. And there's more uh, than, uh, than, than simply uh, 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 not doing this or not doing that. Then we begin to, in a positive way. So we have Job. Job said, I deemed your word uh, more than my necessary food. A normal process of a born-again mind is you have an appetite for God. You have an appetite for the Word of God. You have a desire for spiritual things. As that desire for spiritual things grows, then your ability grows, and, uh, and you make a transition into a heavenly perspective. And your whole perspective is changed as you get more of the Word of God uh, in your mind. I want several scriptures right in this section right here. Acts 17:28. help me quickly. Uh, Pete, uh, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 is Jim Landis. I want Romans 8, 28. Quickly, uh, who is it? Steve Hernandez and Daniel at 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Whole perspective of life has changed the more the Word of God gets in your mind. You are able now to, cap- uh, to, to, to capture the will of God and to see things in a different perspective. Acts 17, 28. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's preaching. He's, uh, he's, uh, uh, he's bringing to, uh, to them the understanding that God fills all things, and in Him we live and move and have our being, that all of life should be oriented to God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. God, who is great in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even... When we were dead in trespass and sin, before we ever knew the love of God in Jesus Christ, God loved us before we even recognized Him for who He is. Go ahead. He made us alive in Christ. By grace you're saved. It wasn't anything good that you did, but His love and mercy reached down and touched your life and washed you from your sins in His own blood. Go ahead. He raised you up. There's a resurrection power that is operative. This is the only victory over sin. The only way you'll ever get control. The only way you'll ever break the curse of dope addiction and alcoholism is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's resurrection power that moves. I know you can join Alcoholics Anonymous, but you'll be addicted to Alcoholics Anonymous the rest of your life. But Jesus Christ will set you free in one moment, as He will heron, uh, crack addiction, or whatever. We have a whole... uh, congregation sitting that have experienced and been uh, bound in many of these things, but resurrection power raised them up and you're sitting now in heavenly places in Christ. Go ahead. The reason he's done this is because he's love for you and he wants to demonstrate in the ages to come his wonderful love and grace towards you. Is that it? Seven, yeah, okay. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, 
who are the called according to His purpose. Now, what I've, the reason we have these scriptures is that your perspective changes when you have a Christian mind. When the reverses of life comes, you have now another perspective. It's not the end of the world. There's a power that's greater than you. There's resurrection power. There's God at work in your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, now God is working intervention, and it doesn't matter what life brings before it's finished, you see that God is at work, and He'll bring it out for glory, and He'll bring it out for your good. God cares about you. Now, that's hard to believe when you lose your business. That's hard to believe uh, when you uh, lose a loved one in a, sudden, uh, in, a, in a sudden tragedy. That's hard to believe. But you see, this is the perspective. Paul writes that whole chapter. We didn't take the time to write it. That when you have the mind of Christ, suddenly there's another factor at work, and you interpret life from a different perspective. The present circumstances are not the final answer. And then finally, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Real loud for me. His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who has called us to glory and virtue. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible. It outlines what God will do for the believer, and that gives you a reference point in all of life. Go ahead. By which are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, by which you can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the Christian mind uh, is one of the uh, wonderful blessings that is given to us in Scripture as a believer in Jesus Christ that changes totally your entire perspective of life. Uh, so we'll continue this study. We have about three more sessions to go on insanity or a sound mind. Aren't you glad God gives you a sound mind? We're going to dismiss for about five minutes and we're going to our morning service.